Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. He's out of here. Welcome to the football hour. Zolgad, Manny Hill, Matthew Collar, Courtney eat. Cronin, eat. Jonathan Harrison behind the, the scenes. Don't forget all of our 1500 ESPN Twitter polls that exist right now. In fact, Jonathan, why don't you give us the update on the uh, McVeigh Kingsbury poll? Oh, God. What, what is this poll? First uh, off, you'll find out. You'll find out. He'll find it. Just hold on a second. This is not this. Listen, if you don't want to vote, that's fine. I did already. I voted on this poll. <laughs> I think I have an idea. Where I, this is going. I voted. Very, I voted very quickly because I had a. Ve- I'm very certain about this. Let me pull it up. I have Twitter right here. Here we go. Just because Judd and Danny were arguing about it right now, who's a better looking guy, Cliff Kingsbury or Sean McVay? Fifty four percent of the audience think Cliff Kingsbury is the better looking guy. It's not even close. It's Kingsbury. Well, I have a tall bias. Be, being tall and beautiful myself, so when I see it, <laughs> and Mackie short man, and bald, so you're gonna offset each that's other. That's right. That's right. So you're gonna, I'm gonna look at someone who's tall and beautiful too. Although my uh, lacking of facial hair ability um, sets him apart from me. That Cliff, he can grow a so, beautiful beard. So you've got Cliff. Only thing. So you've got Cliff. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm the only Cliff. thing. Oh, okay. That's the only thing, Jonathan. We're both successful, tall, beautiful men. He looks like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, the, man he does. Is, the man is gorgeous. Let's be honest about it. I, as a professional. <laughs> Will not answer this question on air. Hey, that's fine. But women of Los Angeles, watch out! You have both of those dudes in the same stadium. I mean, not that that area around the Coliseum's a thriving metropolis for <laughs> young for women on the prowl. Just from my one time being out there. But I mean, I don't really go around and hang out in Crenshaw, so I would have no clue what that's like. Don't leave but, your car unlocked over there. <laughs> but I mean, wow. That's, I mean, th- this is what we're talking about. Well, Jared Goff is pretty darn good looking, too. I'm not getting right? into this conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm going go to go leave the studio. I'm, not going, on co- I'm going head coach. No, but, but if you think yeah, the head coach. He's a quarterback. He, Quarterbacks are ordinarily good you looking. You got your head coach, your offensive coordinator, USC, and the quarterback. Yeah, I guess quarterbacks are usually pretty good looking. But How I many mean, ugly quarterbacks Goff, have though, we seen? But Jared Goff is really a Los Angeles yeah. quarterback with sort of the blonde hair. He's got the, the face that looks like the actor there. Yeah, well, what actor? Well, I brought up the point last hour too, caller. That all all three of these guys that we're talking about now, they all have names of like Hollywood actors. They oh, have yeah. you know yeah. Jared Goff, 
I feel, yeah, you know, that's yeah. pretty Cliff that's right. Kingsbury. You're that's right. True. Yeah, that's exactly right. You're right. Tune in Sunday on NBC and, as and Jared all, Goff meets his demise. We lose one of the rounds. And if only we had someone around who could do the big movie guy voice. If only we had that man. Well, I can't do it now because you just put the entire right. spotlight okay. on. I, I will okay. say Cliff Kingsbury, one of my favorite interviews I've done in the last year. Yeah, you said a nice guy. He's a great guy. And he and I, I did a story on kind of like it was a collection of stories leading into that first uh, playoff game last year against the Saints. Mm-hmm. And he, he obviously knew Case Keenum, was with him all that time at Houston as his offensive coordinator. And... Very insightful. It's kind of only been a matter of time, in my opinion, before he makes the jump to the NFL ranks. I'm so surprised, kind of surprised he's not doing it now. I know. And I know that yesterday his name was kind of thrown around. Well, hey, might he be a candidate for the Packers job? Or might he be a candidate to get an offensive coordinator job in the NFL? I think he needs to be a head coach. I think I don't. Th- I think that that's you know his thing at the moment. Where going from Texas Tech to USC seemed like the the logical move. Do you think there. he's taking that job because they're going to fire their coach at USC, and so he'll just move up to that head coaching job and and then go pro? Yeah, I think so. It I makes do. some sense. Speaking of head coaching jobs, Mike McCarthy fired as the Packers coach. Uh, my contention is this: Vikings fans enjoy what is happening to the Packers this year. Because it's not going to last long. The quarterback's going to come back, I think. And he doesn't have a lot of career left, but he's got enough to still be be good. Uh, what do we think is going to happen there? Because if this team does it right, the Packers can bounce back really quickly. Really quickly. They can, but I think they do have a lot of work to do in their personnel. When I look at the wide receivers that they have, uh, I should say wide receiver yeah. that they have. They desperately try to sign Jimmy Graham who is shot beyond belief. I, I think Graham has looked pathetic this year. When he's been in, he also had the, the injured thumb issue. They've got one really, really good offensive lineman in David Bakhtiari. The rest needs some work there. And on the defensive side, there's a couple of nice pieces. Their two interior defensive linemen are, are good players. But aside from that, you've got the, the nice cornerback, Jair Alexander, and then there's a lot of holes. And we saw the Vikings just take advantage, and many other teams this year, of all the holes that they have in different areas on defense. So I, I think that it's sort of a combination that, yes, you get to inherit Aaron Rodgers, but it's not like you inherit Aaron Rodgers with weapons all over the place. They're going to have to do something like Chicago did and sign players and draft players. But the problem is when you pay Aaron Rodgers what you pay him, that signing anybody to some sort of big long-term contract becomes very difficult. See, Chicago could spend a ton of money. This goes for the Rams, too, where with all the guys they brought in because Jared Goff's on a rookie contract. Mitch Trubisky's on a rookie contract. That will not be the case for Aaron Rodgers. So even though... Yes, it's a good job because you get a great quarterback. I think it also has a lot of challenges to it. I do, too. And just to clarify my one point on Cliff Kingsbury, I do think that he will eventually succeed, secede Clay Helton. I think that this is kind of your in-waiting because that's been a, a mess out there right. ever ever since he took over for Steve Sarkeesian. So back to the Aaron Rodgers point and... You know, because I mean, he's going. Whoever goes there to Green Bay, that's that's number one priority. You have a guy who's got probably five or six years left. Somewhere in that range, he's 35 right now, so he's at the end of the prime of his career. You need to have somebody who's on the exact same page mentally where they're, the quarterback is your focus and building everything around and kind of having a collaborative effort because, truth be told, Aaron Rodgers was really the coach of that team as of late. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where, you know some of the decision-making and the fourth down calls and going, you know, the, and punting in Seattle and all those things made no sense to me. 
And when you have a quarterback like that, you don't squander opportunities away by just some boneheaded decisions. So I think, you know, the, the one thing we always get emails every single day from all these like consulting firms that tell you the odds on the coaches. And mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at one right now that has actually John Filippo with three to one odds right now. Josh McDaniels is leading that plus 225. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Uh, because the rest of them are all odds. Like Lincoln Riley's in there, Zach Taylor, even Bruce Arians is in there. I mean, I think you need the last part of this wave of young offensive-minded coaches, somebody who can be on that same level as Aaron Rodgers yep. because he's going to be in demand of everything. You have young receivers that are starting to develop that kind of you know took a step back a little bit this year, uh, midway through. You need to take them up to speed. You have an offensive line that's pretty darn good. I think you have all the pieces in place to contend and turn around what's been pretty rough two years there in Green Bay. Does it, the college coach intrigue you? you guys offensively, because I do think it's really interesting how much of the college offense and mindset and game has infiltrated the pro game itself. So I'm a little bit intrigued by if you could give Aaron a coach who could come, come in with ideas of what they're doing in college. I think it could be interesting. If you come in with Aaron's or somebody like that, it's going to be traditional things and it won't be bad. But I am getting more and more intrigued by guys that are coming up the ranks and are young and are receptive to ideas and and, and can have a back and forth and can sort of bring that to the pro game. I feel like Lincoln Riley will be in Dallas. That's just my feeling, and that's been my gut feeling. You think he's going to get fired, though, now? For a Garrett? while. <sighs> I'm not about that anymore. Not, we were talking about this earlier, whether we really believe that Dallas is a legit team right now. And, you know, maybe, maybe the last few games, the last three-game win streak that they're on, four-game win streak, might be enough to save his job. I still think that the writing's on the wall there, and I wouldn't be surprised because they know that they're, they're not going to be able to snatch him up next year. He's gone. So I think that you act now and you get who you want to continue developing Dak and, and moving forward with that, it makes sense. But what about a guy like Jim Harbaugh? In the whole picture, of would he be potentially a fit, in your opinion, going to Green Bay? I mean, he's been to the college game. He's been in the NFL level. He's you know been around kind of this, this wave of the last few years of the explosion in college offenses and bringing some of those spread concepts back to the NFL. I could potentially, I don't think I would rule that one out. So there's a few things here to come to mind. First, I think there's the young guy fallacy about like everyone who isn't old is creative and has uh, a great ability with people because they're young and energetic. And I think that even with the Vikings offensive coordinator, we've seen that that can be uh, a misnomer at times. And we especially, it's not true across the board. right? And we especially saw that with Josh McDaniels the last time he got a chance to be a head coach. So I, I do think there's a little bit of that. Oh, he's young. He's fresh. He's got great ideas. Well, that's also an experience too. And not everyone can be Sean McVay, who I think is a truly special case who went out to Los Angeles and immediately empowered the veteran players that they have and also got an incredible roster to take over that Jeff Fisher had, of, of course, botched. But they they built that up. So there, there's a little bit of that because I think we always sort of say, oh, he's young. He must be great. Um, and so the thing with Dallas is really interesting, too, because the Titans fired Mike Malarkey after they won a playoff game. So just because Dallas has sort of gotten it figured out a little bit doesn't mean that Garrett is safe. What was number three that we were talking about? But I, Jim Harbaugh. I, oh, to, oh, Jim Harbaugh. Two, two, though, I think, I think Jerry Jones, if you make the playoffs, I think he keeps you. Yeah, that's probably I right. think a football guy would fire Garrett, 
but Jerry's not. Might depend Jerry's on how Jerry's. He, he needs a puppet too. Yeah. I mean, are you going to be able to bring in Absolutely. a guy? I, I just, but I also see the point where Lincoln Riley is not going to be around. He'll either be, you know, the Brown, a Browns candidate, even though we talked about Mike McCarthy potentially getting that job because yep. that seems logical to me. But Baker Mayfield, Lincoln Riley. I mean, there's there's a lot of different elements there. But to your point, really quick before we get into Jim Harbaugh, because mm-hmm. we thought we'd be talking about that today. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, look at Andy Reid. He's one of the most creative minds in, in the NFL, and he's 60 years old. Right. I think that there's that fallacy that young, energetic means not curmudgeon yeah. old-school way of thinking, which is probably the case. I mean, you just think about generational coaching and generational like philosophy and ideas in the NFL. To, to be clear, what I'm saying is there are probably are very few guys, but there's a few college guys who would bring concepts and who could be really good. Who would be attractive? Yeah. So I'm not saying across the board. Yeah. But if if Riley's as good as we think he is, he's an intriguing guy, and the fact that he's going to bring concepts that probably aren't yet being used or aren't being used as much in the pro game could be intriguing. Well, that's why I think because Collar's right. It's not across the board. No, and that's why I think Cliff Kingsbury, like I was saying earlier, yeah. just would have been a good offensive coordinator candidate for somewhere somewhere in the NFL. And now, obviously, he's you know I still think that. That's a jump that will eventually be made because he probably would be a good candidate for that. But there's also the notion that if you're a good college coach, that's going to translate to the NFL. Well, Pat Fitzgerald's name was thrown around for the Green Bay job. Are you kidding me? That would probably be the worst. You don't bring a defensive minded head coach from a Big Ten school that barely won its. I mean, I'm sorry, but um, you know, barely won its uh, division this year because of a bad year in, in the Big Ten uh, into. Be Aaron Rodgers' quarterback, like you know, to to work with Aaron Rodgers. That doesn't make sense for me. Pat Fitzgerald is in the perfect spot, and he needs to just stay there for his entire coaching I career. Think he it's will the too. perfect, it's the He's perfect smart. place for him. I also think you're putting your life in your hands anytime you just bring a college coach into a situation where it's win now. Um, yeah. I mean, even where Nick Saban goes to the Dolphins, and that's just a complete disaster, right? I mean, we, we've seen this many times where college coaches who have had some success there try to make that jump to a team that's supposed to win. I think you could do it with a team that is completely rebuilding, because if it doesn't go that well, you're like, well, we got more draft picks to work with, and bye, guy. But if you're talking about a 35-year-old Aaron Rodgers, who's probably got five years left of being a great quarterback, if that, maybe only three uh, then you're talking about bringing in someone who's a wild card, who you don't really know how to project that with a situation where you know Aaron Rodgers is going to want to be in charge. And that's where, now this gets interesting with like the Jeff Tedford uh, angle for Aaron Rodgers. Like, if, wouldn't you, if you're talking about pushing all your chips into the middle, wouldn't you want to do it with whoever Aaron Rodgers likes best? Like if it was me, I'd be like Aaron. Who's your coach? Oh, at this point, yes. You tell me. Yes. You tell don't, me. I don't even. I'm not even going to hire Aaron. Don't, you don't you him. think that this is that's probably the conversation that's being had? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I think it I is. Know. Oh no, Mark, Mark. I think Mark Murphy's smart yeah. enough to know that with this franchise in in the time limit that you have here, as, as we've talked about, how Party's many years right. he has left, you got to act now, and you've got to like. I mean, he controls the team. We saw it. We saw it this season. How much Aaron Rodgers was put. Well, on this pedestal don't think over for, Mike McCarthy. Don't think for one second that, that before the, the press release came out on Sunday that Mark Murphy didn't go to Aaron and say, what do you think, Aaron? And Aaron like, said, hey, proofread this. And Aaron said, fire him. Yes, absolutely. So I, I think I think Collar's exactly right, though. I think Mark, Mark Murphy's going to go to the quarterback and say, what do you want? You have to in this circumstance because it, with the with the way that the Vikings roster is structured for the next few years and how competitive they're going to be, how competitive the Bears are going to be the next few years. I mean, yeah. I'm not putting the Lions in this conversation. 
If you want, if you want to be Who's able to, the Lions' keep, new head coach. <laughs> I don't think they fire Patricia after really? one year. Oh, I, really I do. Don't. I don't. Oh, I, I, think no, I fire that idiot. <laughs> I don't think they oh, do. Oh, he's after a condescending. You know what? He is. Send him back to the Patriots. Sit up straight, Judd. We were talking about that last night. Like, sit do you up, think that? Um, do you think that they got rid of uh, what's his name, um, Golden Tate, because he slouched? <laughs> Yeah, that's see, that's yeah. I we, mean, this guy. There, we even go. had Mike uh, Patricia jokes going on during a press conference earlier this this week. Or last week we did. Um, so uh, to to the to the point about Aaron Rodgers. Yes, the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers hired that David who was it? What was his name? Oh man, he's on the David phone. David Blatt. David Blatt. Yeah. Okay, from Europe. W- like, was not a LeBron decision. They did that themselves. No, that was without- pre-LeBron. LeBron was not back yet. He he oh, was he wasn't back. He yet. was coached to. He was hired to coach a young collection of Cavs. Oh, okay, all right. And then LeBron decided to come back from the Heat. I just never underestimate egos of football people. Just that that okay, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. He's the he's not the whole team, or something. you know what I mean. Like you could almost see anyone taking that attitude mm-hmm. that we're the ones who make the decisions here. We're the management men. We're the coach men. That we're not going to let some player call the shots. I could always see that happening. If it was me, I'd say, Aaron, you pick your coach. Here's a lineup of dudes. Write down a number. You know, and get them all like a, like they're, you know, in the prison lineup. Write down the number. That's who we hire. Football! Football, yeah! And that was only segment one of the football hour. We'll be back with more after this. But What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic. couple crashes to tell you about in the metro area. 94 eastbound, we've got a crash uh, near Lauderdale between 280 and Marshall Avenue. Uh, that's about an 11-minute delay if you're headed that way. 35E northbound, we got a crash in St. Paul between Victoria and St. Clair. That's uh, a 10-minute delay. And 494 westbound near Richfield, we got a crash between... Uh, Nicolette Avenue and Lindale. That's a uh, seven-minute delay westbound on 494. Be careful, folks. Possibly addressing doing a better job on game day and just kind of where your attention is. Uh, what do you think you need to start with in terms of doing that? Uh, maybe letting George do a little bit more of the adjustments on defense, maybe. But I don't know. I haven't decided that yet, so we'll just have to see. You know, when, when things are going smooth, it's no issue. Then I can go talk to the offense all I want. When things are, you know, helter skelter on defense, then you know I'm spending a little bit more time with them, or with the special team. So that's just part of it. So after that Patriots game, football people, are we going to see a more involved in the offense Zim for Monday night's game at Seattle? Is, is Zim going to impose his will on John D. Filippo and get more? I wouldn't say impose his will because there's a lot of gray area here. And I wrote about this in a story for tomorrow that it's not so black and white to where you say, I want a better run game. I want less volume in the offense. I want, um, you know, I want X, Y, and Z fixed. Let's fix it. First off, in understanding that it does start with him, he's the head coach. The buck has to start and stop with him. Um, I don't actually know. Does Buck start with? Is that a thing? It no, must hey, start Buck, if it's going to stop. Stop exactly. No, so I, think I mean, you're right. has to has to start and stop with him. I'm going to go with that. But I don't think that this is a, a matter of I'm taking over this element of the. I mean, I'm taking over this element of the offense. The best leaders in the NFL in professional sports empower those around them to do their jobs, and also in that leadership realm, 
take the fall for when things go wrong. There has not been one point this year where it's come down to, well, I think we need to run the ball better. Um, I think that there need to be less plays. You know, we need to just, you know, do what we're good at, you know, stop trying to trick the other team or whatever that have come back to Mike Zimmer and said that, yeah, that starts with me. I need to do a better job with that. So, I mean, this is an argument and a conversation that's going to continue to happen. And they have four games left to figure it out. And it is the most Which is problematic. Very problematic. And I think that it doesn't matter at this point about working relationships beyond this year. Offensive coordinators and, and head coaches typically argue a lot. I mean, we saw it here with Norv Turner a few years ago. And clearly we saw it in a very ugly sense in Cleveland this year between Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson. There's there's not a doubt in my mind that this can be fixed right now because you could put a bandit over it, you put egos aside, and if you want something to happen this badly, you have to take on a level of involvement that you probably haven't done this year, but you also have to be careful to not micromanage. I think that this might be the most challenging part of his career this year, the, of his 2018 season. The buck stops here, this is from Wikipedia, is phrase popularized by President Harry S. Truman. That's who my buddy. kept a sign of that phrase on his desk in the Oval Office. Phrase refers to the notion that the president has to make decisions and accept ultimate responsibility for those decisions. Perfect. Truman received the sign as a gift from a prison warden who was also an avid poker player. Fascinating stuff. And also very applicable with the buck stopping at Mike Zimmer in meaning that he has to take ultimate responsibility. And now that's what's really interesting to me because after the Packers game, he made it pretty clear to everybody that he took over and he had meetings with everybody and he told Kirk to run more and he told them to throw to Rudolph more because Rudolph was frustrated and he told them this and that from from different just putting the pieces together we got a lot of zim on the offense leading up to Green Bay and it worked I don't doubt that Mike Zimmer knows what it takes to succeed on offense for this team. And I think he just goes back to the running thing because that's annoyed him in certain situations when they've gotten away from it. And I think that's fair. I think about the Jets game, the end of the Jets game, where it's just the game should be just over. And then they throw two or three passes and punt away after like a minute. It's like, okay, like that's where you got to pound the ball, run the clock out, win the game. And there are other times the other night when your running back is having a heck of a game and you go away from it. And maybe the circumstances dictated at times, but you know, 10, 10 in the fourth quarter, there's no reason why you still can't run it when you're having that much success. Uh, It's just, I guess on whether Zimmer really does want to make demands about how that offense is going to be run and executed and whether he can get John D. Filippo to execute it in the game, because even in that green Bay game, the first drive, they run C.J. Ham up the middle on a third and one and get stuffed and then have to punt. So some of the play calling stuff, that's not what Zimmer's going to be doing. He's going to be doing with the game plan. He's going to be helping decide the scheme that they're going to use. When they call those plays, though, that's all on John Filippo, who's pretty darn inexperienced in doing it. Except with four games left, if Mike decides that this has been going down the wrong path, which I think it has been to a certain degree, and he allows George Edwards, his defensive coordinator, more ability to call defensive plays. Ide- Listen, ideally, to me, a head coach, because he's got the toggle switch, right? Ideally, he can flip back and forth and have the ability to talk to the offensive guy and the defensive guy. Could he de-flip back and forth? You know, between you and Danny, I'm just about done with this job. <laughs> but I'm not completely done. <laughs> I'm not completely done because Courtney Cronin, I will turn my attention to you and away from the sophomoric Matthew Collar. 
Will Zim, part, part of this to me is George Edwards knows what Mike wants to do defensively, I think. I think he knows through and through exactly what Mike wants. Why doesn't Mike give up some of that defensive? And I know it's his first love. I know it's, it's his well, He's passion. been toying with it for the last few years and to right. no avail. So why doesn't he, but with four games left, this is very important, why not work both sides of that toggle switch and get more involved offensively and give up some of that love of defense? I, I don't think it's the wrong thing to do at all. I'm challenging I, him. It's it is it will be the biggest challenge of his career. Look at I I think that in regardless of where they're at right now, everything that he's already been through in this season just surpasses what he's gone through in other parts of his career. From the from losing Teddy Bridgewater to losing Norv in the same season, from a five and zero start to eight and eight finish. Like, the, what are you guys laughing at? Something fell. What was that? <laughs> Your coat fell. Oh, it's my coat. Her coat yeah. fell. Um, that made a really loud drop. It really did. I think it's because my phone's in there. Well, Jonathan Anyways. and Manny looked at me like, what happened in there? <laughs> Someone fell over. Someone and, down. Someone down. <laughs> Your take was so bad, I fell off my chair. <laughs> I, I hate you. Um, it, was it was a hot take. You were so surprised. Anyways, <laughs> back to back to, back to to football. Um, I think that this will define him as the best stretch of his coaching career if he's able to right the ship in a lot of different ways by delegating. That's a very hard thing for him to do because he's had opportunities to do it before, Mm -hmm. and there's a reason he's still the last head coach to call defensive plays in the NFL. But beyond that... Learn how to not micromanage and and, and not not posture in a way because that's exactly what's happening out there because – you can talk, you can talk, you can talk about it, but until you actually do something about it, all you're doing is wor- saying words. Actions speak louder than words, I believe, is the saying. You want to look that up? Does Did Teddy uh, Roosevelt have that on his desk? <laughs> George Anyhow, Washington. George Washington. It was right on George's desk. Right um, but this is going into a place like Seattle where he's got to figure out how to contain Russell Wilson. He's also got to figure out offensively yes. what he's comfortable with. Because if you're going to say, right. you know, sometimes I think what he doesn't say speaks so much louder than what he says. And him saying, you know, being asked, well, what can you do to get the offense going a little bit more? And then turning back to, well, you know, it's the same things I've been saying all year. And then, did you run the ball enough? No. That, to me, speaks louder than him actually explaining what the heck happened. See, that's what's weird to me is that it seemed like he had taken action, and then they went back to a lot of the things. And I wonder he how much for a week. I wonder how much that was dictated by the Patriots. I, I wonder how much Bill Belichick just schooled John DeFilippo. That, that that might be the possibility that they had some similar game plans. And Zimmer alluded to this when I asked him about Delvin Cook as a receiver. Cook has only been used on 15 snaps out of 300 as a receiver. I mean, that needs to be more, right? Latavius Murray's a good back. He should be in the game with Cook at the same time. Sure. Sorry if you have to take Laquan Treadwell out to do it, right? But that might be the best case thing to but do. But the Patriots game plan but offensively didn't make sense. It, it That's really, what frustrated me in watching it. Well, so what Zimmer said was we had plays in there to get Delvin the ball in the passing game more than just checkdowns, but those plays didn't happen. And that's where I wonder if the Patriots just had things ready for them that they did not anticipate going into that game, and Belichick just schooled DeFilippo on his defense. And Belichick's been doing that to people for how many years now? So I'm going to go with uh, forever since he yeah. was in Cleveland. He's been good at, at this sort of thing. Yeah, so they're yeah, so Cleveland. they're so they're no, they were good in Cleveland until they decided they were going to move the team. Um, but that '94 Browns team was really good. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. They made the playoffs. They right? were a, they yeah. were a legit uh, Super Bowl contender that year. Um, but you know, the, the point just being that 
as much as I think it's a deserved reaction to look at two of the last three weeks against good teams having offensive meltdowns, I also think that maybe they had some of the right ideas figured out and could not execute them. More football coming up and then Purple Live at 6 o'clock. It's Zolgad, it's Cronin, it's Collar, Manny Hill, 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. All right, football footballers. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Zolgad, Collar, Cronin, Manny Hill. Uh, the Washington National Football League team. Let's talk about them. Because... Um, Mark Sanchez is now their starting quarterback. They are still, by the way, vying for a playoff position, although their loss last night dropped them out of the playoff picture and put the uh, the Vikings back in as the sixth seed right now. But did you guys tell me that they are planning on signing Josh Johnson as their backup QB now, and Colin Kaepernick still can't get a job? As someone who appreciates journeyman quarterbacks, uh, this is a severe journeyman quarterback who has been cut and signed about 15 different times. It would take us until the top of the hour to read all the teams that this guy has been with. Sometimes signing for a week and then getting cut. He is sort of a, was at one time thought of like this is like a raw prospect who had been really good. I think at like San Diego state maybe. And you know, I mean, everybody's sort of taken their, they picked him up. Oh, that's right. He's not, not any good. And then they've let him go, that sort of thing. And he's gotten in a few games. He played in Tampa in like 2014 is the last time the guy's been in a game. I mean, it's obvious who they should have signed at the very moment that Alex Smith got injured, but that was never going to happen. I mean, not with Dan Snyder. So I enjoyed watching all of Twitter pick apart Jay Gruden's comments about it. Like, oh, they said he couldn't pick up an offense this quick? Yes, he could. Like, of course he could. Of course they could bring Colin Kaepernick in and he could lead them to the play. Of course he could. It's a pretty good football team with some weapons and a halfway decent defense. Yeah. Yep, he certainly could, but they were never, ever, ever going to do that. So you're kind of wasting your time picking apart the lies, but now the Washington football squad is going to miss the playoffs, and the Vikings, they've got to be thrilled. Yeah, keep playing Mark Sanchez, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Just to run through the uh, career timeline of... uh... Said quarterback. Do we have Josh enough Johnson. time here, man? You got to pick we, up the we, pace. We, we got some time here. Uh, started in 2008, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then the 49ers in 2012, then the Sacramento Mountain Lions in 2012. Call Peppers team. Cleveland Sacramento. Browns. Denny coached that team, right? Was that the team Denny yeah, coached? I think in it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, Can uh, 49ers. You get a Sacramento Mountain Lions jersey? Oh, like, I bet you could possible? find one on eBay. I bet you could find one on eBay. I kind of want one. Uh, 49ers, then back to the Bengals, Jets, Colts, Bills, Ravens, Giants, Texans, Raiders, the San Diego Fleet, which is where, I love how his Wikipedia says, San Diego Fleet, 2018 to 2018. And now with the uh, Washington team. Like, this is the guy that they've signed. Well, the one thing that they do have in their favor, if this move does go through, is that he was with Jay Gruden in Cincinnati in 2008. (laughs) 
2013 and with him in Tampa Bay in 2008. I'm sure that that all is very relevant and will play into his grasp of the offense. Should I mean, but do we even know? Are they going to stick with Mark Sanchez? Are they bringing in Josh Johnson as his backup? Are they going to bring Josh Johnson in to start? It can be done, by the way. Sacramento Mountain Lions, Jonathan found it. Jonathan actually found it. $40, 40 bucks, <laughs> 6 bucks shipping that's on not eBay. Surprising. $40. Mark is Sanchez like is going to start. I mean, that's wild. This to me. kid's going to be the backup. Last night, I felt like it was my junior year of college all over again, watching Adrian Peterson rip off a what, 90 yard run yeah. and Mark Sanchez taking a real live NFL snap. I, I've weird. started to find it just to be funny how many teams will uh, miss the playoffs and lose to not sign. Someone who everyone's gotten over, I think. I mean, uh, Eric Reed has been doing this still continually. There are a handful of players who have still been making social statements. Kenny Stills is one of them. I believe DeAndre Hopkins wore a Kaepernick jersey going into the game, and there's just no uproar anymore. Everyone has sort of moved along. to, To our conversation on the Monday show, Matthew, this is what I don't get, though. Business wise, this league will blackball Colin Kaepernick. But Kareem Hunt, at a relatively young age, now with probably three strikes against him, will get a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ray Rice didn't get a job because he was washed up. He didn't get pushed out because he was a bad guy. He was washed up. But that, from a business standpoint, this is what I do not get. Colin Kaepernick plays a position, plays one of the toughest positions in professional sports, at which teams, right, in this league are starved to find a guy. Starved. And they will not give him a job. This I, it totally it confuses me beyond belief that he somehow crossed the line that he can't come back from. I don't get it. Don't you appreciate the fact that you know you'll hear sports fans all the time say, "I don't want all this politics in sports." Uh, well, your team is not signing a player because of politics. Huh? <laughs> like, wait a minute. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I know be, because of their own team politics, they're not signing this player. So there's some obvious hypocrisy there. What it's really about is them blackballing Colin Kaepernick because people started to get behind them and get more of a voice for players. That's what it was really about. It wasn't about America. It wasn't about them loving giant flags before games or anything like that. It wasn't about kneeling. Uh, we've all heard it a million times, but it's worth saying again that I believe it was. A Marine who suggested he kneel, I think, to him because he was sitting on the bench and, the, and a Marine told him, no, don't do that. Kneel because that's actually honoring the flag still. I mean, like, come on. We've all got we've all gotten the story. Everyone has moved on from this. It's really just about the Washington team and their politics that they're going to miss the playoffs, which I as much as I think Kaepernick belongs in the league because he's an NFL player. And if you're going to let Greg Hardy come back, you might as well let someone who just doesn't want police violence come back as well. But I also can't help but laugh at their stupidity. It's like you're really going to sacrifice playoff dollars, which could have been yours. They were right there in your hands. The NFC East is a joke. You could have made it. And instead you said, no, 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 I will not take that money. Instead, I will have Mark freaking Sanchez throw four yard passes into the dirt. Have fun with that. I mean, this just goes into supporting his collusion case even more. I mean, at this point, I don't even bat an eye at it. But explain to me how one team doesn't lift the bird up to the league and say, we're doing this too bad. Like we, I own this. If you're Ziggy Wilf, you own this team. You are your, your main desire in life, I think is to win a championship, right? So how can one team not just be like, you know what, the collusion, I'm done with this. I'm not doing the, the you're going to reemploy Kareem Hunt. You're going to reemploy any, any scumbag 
if they have talent who hits a person, you are still going to sign them. So I'm done. I'm done listening to you. I'm done with this. Roger Goodell, I'm signing him too bad. What are you going to do? How much of this do you think factors into just them being kind of a PD, PR, you know, storm right now with signing Reuben Foster or at least, you know, tempting. it makes it even look more fun. I mean, I mean, but sign Reuben Foster. But explain it. Somebody well, explain it to me. Well, no, here's my thing is that yeah. like they've already had so much negative publicity from that that they just don't want any more attention. Maybe no. that's what it is. I, I mean, know. I don't know that's why a, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt I don't right buy now. That because I don't buy it either. I'm Greg just throwing Hardy it out threw, as a theory. Greg Hardy threw a woman onto a bed of guns that he had <laughs> basically to say, I can kill you whenever I want. So I, and that was, I think, around the time as the Ray Rice thing. Yeah. So I, I don't, this is my problem. I don't know what they're thinking. It's just not rational. And it's not, but I also think that it has to do with the fact that they're kind of in like a literal cluster right now of just dealing with all of this stuff that they're just trying to... But Kaepernick's been out there for quite a while now, so why not a year ago when, when things were calmer, perhaps? I don't know. Like, you know, it, to me, I mean, this this... I'm just tired of talking about it. This has been the same thing for the last few years. Every time there's a catastrophic injury and a guy goes down, he's the first name that's talked about for five minutes, and then it's, oh, well, it's never going to happen because teams aren't going to buy into it. But doesn't it interest you guys that these guys are billionaires? This is a billion-dollar business. I'm tired of it, too, on one hand, but on the other, I find it so interesting to come back to what is going through their minds. Well, what's going through their minds is it's an organized effort to keep him out of the league. I mean, I mean, it just couldn't be any more clear because there have been no less than 10 to 15 different situations where it would have been obvious to have him as your quarterback. How about when Deshaun Watson gets hurt last year in Houston? I mean, it would have made so much sense, but there's repeated. How about the Miami Dolphins? Even here. Ryan Tannehill. Here it would have we, made a lot of sense. We had no idea that Case Keenum was going to be able to do what he did. I mean, And that you, wasn't even a conversation about bringing him in. If you think about it, even from the context of this offseason, that Colin Kaepernick, when he had a really great supporting cast, was a good NFL quarterback and went to a Super Bowl and was this close to winning one. And then, you know, San Francisco fell apart and he wasn't as good, naturally. But if you if you think about it, I mean, from the Vikings' perspective, if they had signed him as their quarterback this offseason for $10 bucks, spent the other $10 million on whoever other offensive linemen, let's say, like, where are they as a team right now? 6-5-1? and one, Better? Not worse, right? Probably not so, worse. So, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of amazing thing that every team, if you had looked at this equation without the obvious blackballing and collusion against the guy, there's a ton of situations, and that's what makes it so clear that they've done that, and I don't think it's good business for them at all, not just not from a bottom line, but from a you're sacrificing your opportunities to win. So if you're in D.C. and you cheer for that team, you should be like, uh, guys, we were we were right there. We could have won the division. And instead, you decided not to because you just don't like this guy. What he has to say? Really? Yeah. Take a break. Come back. TCL Broadcast Studios. Purple Live comes up at six o'clock. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. What do you think? (laughs) It's pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here before we wrap things up here in Mackie and Judd. 36 eastbound. Uh, If you're headed that way towards uh, Roseville, be prepared for an extra eight minutes on your commute. That's because of a crash between Lexington Avenue and Victoria. So uh, be on the lookout for that, folks. All right, Purple Live right around the corner with uh, Collar and Cronin. We're back. Football hour wrapping things up. All right, where to next? 
I, I think we've, I mean, the Kaepernick thing makes no sense. It never will. We'll it's never going, understand it. It's That's going a to dead, continue. dead end conversation just from the sense that. But it is, intri- we, it it is, is intriguing. intriguing. It's intriguing. Don't get me wrong. But it's a dead end conversation because the owners are going to continue to do what they've been doing. And they're not going to let this guy back in the league. I think we all predicted it, you know, a year ago and that somebody, he would never have a job in the NFL ever again. And I still stand by that. And yet Kareem Hunt will eventually be signed by somebody. And if he does well, it'll be a great, it'll be the redemption story, yeah. right? Oh, he, I learned my lesson and it's just, it, it goes around and around and around. So where to next? I don't know, because the, the things that are dominating the NFL headlines right now are just super frustrating, aren't they? Like this is... It's not that I want to get away from things like this because it's important to acknowledge uh, that domestic violence in sports leagues uh, should be a very serious issue. When you have this much influence over society, then you should try to spend uh, send the right messages about things like Kareem Hunt. And clearly the NFL did not do that, as they usually don't. Clearly Washington did not do that with Ruben Foster. But then this frustration, it just it drives me crazy because of the hypocrisy that exists with not signing Colin Kaepernick as your quarterback and continuing to reach out to players like, you know, that Kareem Hunt's going to find a job and a player like Ruben Foster. But I also, there are times where even I, and I care about these issues a lot, want to be like, man, this is brutal sometimes if you like this game. Because there's no games from Sunday to Sunday, so there's no turnover in this. So the whole week, the whole last week, it's all dominated by these types of stories. And I don't even know who's playing this week because I haven't seen anything on that. I mean, the only other headline that I've seen that got some run was uh, Belichick yelling at Adam Thielen. Like that's well, it. Correct, that's it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the Kareem Hunt thing. I mean, it's Tuesday. That happened on a Friday. I mean, it happened months ago, and he lied about it. But it really it broke on a Friday. I feel like the conversations died down. I don't see it on every single you know talking heads type show. It's not all over the internet right now. I mean, I think the argument and the conversation now shifts to what you know. What's the bigger conversation here on domestic violence and, and the ability to you know give these guys second chances and and when is the appropriate timing for a second chance? Because he cleared waivers yesterday, and now he's a free agent. So. He sits around and he waits. You know what's frustrating? What's frustrating to me is that the league, the league is not more proactive, though, in finding out exactly what happened. If there's tape, go buy the tape. Go find out. That's what's frustrating to me. Like, why are we having this conversation now? We shouldn't be having it. Yes, he still did what he did, but the league should have had its hands on this tape in April. I don't understand how TMZ gets just, tapes. They like buy the, them, but but the NFL could buy them too. There's no compelling case for the NFL not to buy them. They will claim it's ethics because they but, don't want to buy. But them. here's the thing: like how they get that from a police department, right? Can you not or su- the hotel or the hotel? But I mean, can't you not subpoena that? Like I just don't understand. I mean, you got like probably a billion dollar legal team for a billion dollar brand. How do you not have people that are smart enough to think about getting? I don't the think tape? they want to see it. I, My theory is they don't want to see it. They could. They they can't. They subpoena. knew about this. The I know. Chiefs knew about this. How how uh, what is his name? Steve Veach. How does how he still has a job? What right Collar said on Monday is accurate, and it just makes your skin crawl. It makes you want to throw up. Which is they don't want to see it. But it is a good point, Courtney, about what this league actually wants to say about domestic violence. Because you know, I mean, this goes for almost anything in your life. When you sort of like half ass try to care about something, 
that means you don't care about it, right? Okay. I mean, just with anything. I mean, if you're if you, your wife asks you to, I don't know, like properly do the dishes, whatever. Women always asking, right, Courtney? Am I right? <laughs> I, I don't know what that's like. Um, whatever it might be, yep. do do some sort of chore, and you don't care about it all, and you don't even agree with it. Like eh, these dishes are fine; we don't even need to be done. Screw her. You're not going to do a good job at it. You're not going to give a hundred percent to it because you just don't care that much. And the NFL is the same way, where I think they. They actually don't care, but they know that they should or should try to pretend to care. But but trying to try to quote Bart Simpson is just not good enough. And that's that really shows through in their actions. But has the commissioner of this league come out and said one thing about this since Friday? No, No. I mean, he's gone completely. But uh, do you know how embarrassing that is? The NBA commissioner is on top of things. Well, here's my thing, too, is like we haven't heard from. We haven't heard from uh, Roger Goodell. We've very, very little outside of that statement heard from Brett Veach, not sorry, not Steve, uh, the GM of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Why, why is there no accountability from the fact that these people knew about this and they're like, well, he lied to us, so you know, shame on him. He's cut. He'll never play football in Kansas City anymore. Why is there nothing with their front office for, for letting this guy continue on? I mean, yes, they didn't see the video. They had apparently found out about the video on Friday. But why is there no accountability factor that you let this bozo, this unconvicted criminal, stay on your team this long? The end. I said this last week. The NFL loves unconvicted criminals. They love this stuff. Mm-hmm. They love employing these people, and they love keeping these people in the league because they win football games because they're good athletes. It's shut up and dribble, shut up and catch the ball, whatever like you want to say. That's them sticking to sports. That is them sticking to sports. That's the bottom line. I, and I guess what I wonder about is two different things. One, there's so many gray areas for all of these things, like where you could make a pretty good argument that someone who's 23 years old, all of a sudden rich and famous, does something insanely stupid, and they shouldn't be cast off to the island for the rest of their life because of a mistake that you can, people can improve, people can change, and they deserve the opportunity to do so. Now, there, there is that sort of argument. But then the other thing that comes to mind for me is... Like, do do fans even demand it? I, I, I'm not sure that they do. Like, do fans of the game demand that their teams not have people like this on them? No. It doesn't, not enough. It no, does not, not seem Clearly. that they do. Just win games, right? Right. Win and, games, score points. And, and I think until that happens, that we're going to continue to just go round and round with this. If every, like, three months someone will do something like this, and then we'll go, oh, the NFL mishandled it. Because, of course, because they know that their fan base will not hold them accountable. All right. A week later, we won't care. Exactly. exactly. Thank you, Manny. Purple Live up next.